Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, a look back at the Fantastic Four. A match shader brought incredible shapes, flaming hot action, seismic shocks, and raw brute force. Bayern's 2-2 draw with Bayer Leverkusen, a sensational 3-3 between Darmstadt and Gladbach. The list goes on and on. All of this and much more will be discussed in this week's Beer and Honey Pod. Hello and welcome, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we bid you hello for a very special edition of what was incredible action in the Bundesliga. Before we start, though, let me please remind you that we need your help. We need your support. If you can become a member of the Supporters Club for Beer and Honey, we'd be very much obliged. We'd be very, very happy if you could do that. Or even better, if you can become an ultra and support us for the end of the season, you will get a wonderful special mug as a token of our appreciation. And we'll be uh, just a little bit further in our quest to, if not break even, then at least not lose that much money. Thank you very much in advance. Uh, Christoph, it might just be recency bias, but I've got a feeling this was one of the most sensational match days in Bundesliga history. <laughs> 60 years uh, we've been watching, or some of us have been watching this league for, and almost every single game was very special in its own way. Now, you went to VfL Bochum, of course. They took on Frankfurt. A bit of a historical component with Dino Topmüller returning to the Ruhrstadion. What kind of game did you see there? Um, yeah, Dino Topmüller was, was, a, was a player uh, at Bochum, uh, briefly only. Uh, more important was uh, that his father was uh, coaching Bochum between 1994 and 19. 1999 and um, uh, responsible for one of the best spells um, in the history of the of the club and um, yeah uh, as you said um, as most of the games this weekend this was a wild affair um, a fantastic atmosphere in the stadium um, a one one draw um, that was I think the correct result although, Uh, I must confess uh, that the uh, uh, penalty that led to the equalizer by Kevin Stöger was um, one of the soft penalties uh, that we've seen this uh, weekend in the Bundesliga. Um, but yes, uh, what you could see, uh, so the, the main takeaway is um, that Bochum is on, on a good way, although the results are a bit disappointing. Three draws in a, in a row after this terrible uh, 0-5 defeat at Stuttgart at the first day of the season. But uh, the team looks good. Uh, the le uh, team seems to have understood what kind of football Thomas Letch uh, wants to play. A very high press, very energetic, uh, very nice to watch. Um, if you like this kind of football and... Um, 
I did not find uh, Frankfurt boring. We are, remember our friend Ronnie Reng, who was talking about boring, boring Eintracht. They they are on their way to to change uh, the style of football they are playing. You you see that there are a lot of new players um, in the team and um, that they have to click together. They are doing that uh, not perfectly right now, but um, I, I think. Um, uh, this Frankfurt team should have an okay season, but but their ma- main problem is uh, that they're lacking uh, the goal scorer. They have lost to PSG on the last day um, before the closure of the transfer window. So I guess in in winter we will see Frankfurt trying to buy um, uh, a new center forward, or probably Omar Mamouche or Jesse Nankamp. Um, have um, developed in into the goal scorers uh, the Eintracht is needing. Yeah, it looked as if they were lacking end product from from what I saw. Frankfurt and that stylistic change that Dino Topmüller is trying to implement away from the emphasis of transition to much more uh, possession. It will take time, as you said, and yeah, it doesn't help if you lose your best player and cannot replace him because there's not enough time. So maybe a tricky first half of the season for Eintracht in store. Well, there's so many talking points, Christopher. I don't even know where to continue. Uh, let's briefly turn our attention to Mainz, who we quite liked, I think, at the beginning of the season with... Uh, Bo Svensson doing some very good work up until now, but they're not having the best of times. They lost again at home to Stuttgart 3-1 and they're bottom of the table with just one point and a goal difference of minus nine. Uh, we probably have to devote an entire pod to Mainz's issues or maybe we get a chance to speak to some of the people there very soon. But I think it's time to hail the all-conquering <laughs> VfB Stuttgart, fourth, Christoph, fourth, and Seu Gerassi with a hat-trick. He scored eight goals in the first four games of the Bundesliga. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I think uh, Girassi was the, the MVP of the match day. Um, out- outstanding, especially... Um, his uh, third goal in, I, I think, in extra time, the three-one, where he, <laughs> he he kind of uh, assisted himself, and then headed the ball over uh, the ball over uh, Finn Dam, the Mainz goalkeeper, for the third goal. And uh, yes, um, you, you can see sometimes you can see um, uh, strikers flying and. Um, and and he has this fantastic spell right now, and uh, and he, he helps so much to um, Stuttgart so much looking good, and and they actually look good. They look entertaining. They look as if uh, the ideas um, from uh, <clears throat> Coach Sebastian Hoeneß uh, they get onto the pitch, and uh, and yes, I mean uh, you, you know I've. I've uh, Already last season, I've said that uh, there's so much potential in this team. And it's interesting to see that although 
they lost uh, such important players as Vataru Endo, who went to Liverpool, Mavropanos, who left the club, Borna Sosa, um, who plays for Ajax now. And, um, and, and they don't look at all affected. They uh, even look much better uh, this year. So a huge excitement in Swabia uh, about the big club from the area. And uh, yeah, it, it's... It looks as if it could be uh, their season, um, wh whatever it is, in the sun, in in a way. But how much sun it, uh, we will we will have to to wait if if they are able to compete for international uh, spots or, or or whatever. But um, yeah, uh, Stuttgart is one of the fun teams to watch right now. Yeah, and certainly Serugur Asidi. Guinean international, uh, one of the players to watch. Um, Stuttgart lucky that at this point that the transfer window is closed. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure the first offers would uh, would definitely come in at this point. Um, wonderful player and uh, a team that's really, really fun to watch. Also fun to watch, perhaps the most fun game to watch at the weekend was Darmstadt's meeting with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, producer York, I think, would have uh, torn some of his hair, remaining hair out, uh, watching the first half or the first 60 minutes or so. Uh, Darmstadt scored three goals, eighth minute, tenth minute, 33rd minute. Then had Maglika sent off after the 49th minute. Then Chwanchara from Borussia Mönchengladbach their Czech striker missed the penalty. But what happened afterwards, Christoph? I mean, one of the the weirdest outcomes to a Bundesliga game we've seen in in many weeks and months. Um, yeah, it, it was like uh, two games within one um, because uh, um, the, the there was a, a, such a dramatic power shift um, from the first uh, to the second half. As you said, um, Darmstadt uh, played terrific football in, in the first half, were 3-0 up and Borussia Mönchengladbach looked terrible. I mean, that was abysmal how they defended. It was, um, they were far away from, from their opponents. They were lacking energy. They looked, I mean, they, it, it was shocking how they played. And then, uh, referee Gerach came and helped them a lot because, um, he awarded a penalty. And I'm still wondering, um, If that really was a handball, um, yes, Maglika touched the ball with the hand, but uh, I don't know how, how you saw it. But um, afterwards, you, you, you said it, um, uh, Schwanzschera missed the penalty, scored a terrific goal later on, uh, uh, an absolute belter from, from 20 meters or so. And I think... Uh, most of the Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, supporters at the end thought, yeah, we should have won it because they completely overwhelmed uh, um, Darmstadt and they did it in a, in a clever way also. I mean, it was, uh, they played well, they played calm, they played clever. It, it was not just, um, um, uh, so they made a lot 
uh, having one man more uh, made a lot of uh, out of it and and uh, you rarely see it um, uh, that uh, sending off um, uh, has such a uh, deep effect on on a game so yeah it was fascinating to watch but um, still I have my doubts about this um, uh, this handball. But um, uh, as we said, it was the soft penalty weekend and we have another uh, case to discuss later on. And um, I think uh, at Darmstadt, everybody is deeply frustrated uh, um, uh, with, the, with the result and with the shift of, of the game. Yeah, well, I'd be deeply frustrated if I gave up a 3-0 lead in a second against, Gladb against Gladbach of all teams. Uh, no disrespect, but um, they still look a little bit shaky. Are you seeing signs that they're getting much better this season, or could it be another difficult season for them? I, I think it's it's still com completely um, undecided, um, and it's uh, it's interesting when you compare the two halves. Um, they were terrible in defense. I, I said that. Um, also because um, the players, uh, the offensive players didn't help much in defending uh, uh, um, in, in, in the game against the ball. Um, and I think um, that's not a good sign. On the other side of the pitch, they are able to play some nice football. Um, they have good players. Schwanchera and, and Jordan, who came on loan from Union Berlin, they have uh, good players up front. And uh, you could also see that they can uh, play together. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I think it's um, learning Fußballdeutsch probably here. Learning Fußballdeutsch with beer and honey. Um, Die Wundertüte. Borussia Mönchengladbach is a Wundertüte. Is there uh, something similar to the Wundertüte in English? Um, and what's the concept, Raf? Yeah, I've often thought about that. And unfortunately, there's no direct equivalent. Wundertüte is something that you buy as a child or um, a young adult at your local kiosk. And uh, what you get are sweets, uh, but a mix of sweets that you're not sure about what you're going to get. And in the football context, Wundertüte cannot, isn't just sweets, but it could also be stuff that tastes bad and smells bad uh, if you are unlucky that you might find in the Wundertüte because you just don't know. So I guess the, the the best equivalent I can think of is the the the, the famous box of chocolate from Forrest Gump, that uh, you know supposed to come up with with big surprises, even though they don't. I mean, it's always the same in chocolates, yeah. isn't it? Uh, one marzipan, one nougat, one with nuts, one dark one. Anyway, coming from one Wundertüte uh, to another. Borussia Dortmund is also the, this kind of Wundertüte uh, this season so far. And also the, their game at um, Freiburg um, looked very much like a Wundertüte because they played a decent first half, were 1-0 up um, until the extra time of, um, uh, until the additional time of a first half. And when they went to the dressing room, they were 2-1 uh, down. Um, 
and uh, managed to equalize. And um, and then um, after Höfler uh, from Freiburg was sent off 10 minutes from time, managed to score mo uh, two more. Um, so again, it was like, um, what is Borussia Dortmund right now? But before we... Uh, we, we discuss this, what, what's going on with them. I think we have to sing the song of praise for the old man in defense, for Mats Hummels. Uh, not only because he scored two goals, but um, over the last weeks or month, um, I, I find him so impressive. And um, uh, he, he looks like the kind of Ruhepol, um, another German learning football Deutsch. So the, um, what is it, Ruhepol, the, the, the center of calm, the, uh, in the eye of yeah, the storm, the... Or <laughs> what is a Ruhepol? Yeah, yeah, he's the rock, um, the rock at the heart of the defense. Yeah, so, um, He is fantastic, but but uh, Raphael, uh, what is your takeaway from 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 their again uh, Wundertüten-like uh, performance in uh, Freiburg? I mean, still they won in Freiburg. They scored four goals in Freiburg. That's uh, pretty difficult, and uh, they won there. And not a lot of teams managed to win at at Freiburg and so on. But still, I mean, the result is absolutely fantastic. To go to Freiburg and win 4-2, especially in a week that it was slightly overshadowed by what happened in the German national team. But in Dortmund, there was a bit of unease and the sense of crisis going into this game. Uh, some question marks being asked about uh, Edin Terzic. Is he still the right manager? A uh, lot of speculation that Julian Nagelsmann will have to do two jobs going forward, uh, both for Germany and for Borussia Dortmund. So this was a... a Big game for Dortmund, especially in the context of the trip to Paris Saint-Germain coming up on Tuesday. And they got a result showing resilience, showing a bit of character. Uh, Mats Hummels really leading by examples with his goals, but also, as you said, continuing his fantastic form from the second half of last season. And yet, and yet, we still, I think, see... Dortmund's problems, we still see the issues and we still wonder, is this a team that's actually progressing from last season or are they taking steps back and they are worse off? I mean, at the moment, I would still say that they look nowhere near as good as they did for most part of the second half last year when they had this fantastic run. It's going to be very, very difficult, I think, to be competitive both in Europe in this tough group and uh, in Germany if they don't really improve very rapidly. That's my take. Another team that is playing um, this week in the Champions League and for the first time ever um, and to show them that they are in the Champions League in the real world of the unreal um, Champions League, they have to go to Madrid uh, to play Real, is um, Union Berlin. They lost 2-1 at Wolfsburg, their second defeat in a row after their um, 
Vero 3 at home to Leipzig the, uh, two weeks before. Um, what, what's your impression? Are they going prepared uh, to Estadio Santiago Bernabeu? Yeah, I mean, I expect an Fischer team always to be prepared and to especially preparing set pieces before they go there. I think that would be one of the things that uh, Union can maybe surprise uh, Real Madrid with. But of course, not the ideal preparation losing at Wolfsburg. But I think this is the sort of game where... We've seen it before from Bundesliga teams. It's not so much that they cannot handle the physical demands of, of playing in the Champions League, but you know you have Real Madrid coming. And then that trip of a lifetime, that first ever Champions League game, and then you have to go to Wolfsburg, you know. It's not far from Berlin, but it's not it's not a sexy town. Um, it's not a sexy opponent. And they weren't quite on it. They weren't quite on it. And my hope is that we'll see a very different Union uh, turn out and give Real Madrid a, a hell of a time. Uh, as they can do. I, I, I slightly disagree with you because I think they um, played a very okay game. What weren't if... Uh, very okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I would say a typical Union game with some untypical, atypical moments um, because uh, mm. uh, how they um, uh, conceded the two goals was something um, that is strictly against Urs um, Fischer's match plan. So, for example, if you if you take the, the first goal, the pass from uh, Kral to Behrens, um, normally you shouldn't play this pass and uh, and surely you shouldn't lose the ball and that led to some kind of um a counter attack and also the second um after a um a corner a deflected ball when where nobody was um uh against Joachim Mele um for who who scored from outside the box so that is a typical And then something interesting happened that um, um, uh, Wolfsburg pulled back and and very deeply defended. And uh, you could see that's probably something uh, that will happen more often uh, this season to Union Berlin. Like, hello, friends. Here you have the ball. Try, try your best um, because everybody is knowing that Uh, Union has some difficulties uh, uh, creating their own game. Um, so, and that's interesting that um, uh, Nico Kovac and Wolfsburg uh, uh, played this this way. But I think so. My my um, impression of Union is the um, uh, the Urs Fischer machine is not smoothly running right now and. Um, And my impression, it uh, didn't have uh, too much to do with, oh, okay, we're all crazy in the head because we're going uh, to Madrid. And in Madrid, for me, the most interesting question is how they um, approach this game mentally. I mean, there are players who, who know these uh, kind of games. Uh, Bonucci, who hasn't played a minute um, uh, for Union so far, And uh, I'm sure he won't play in Bernabeu as well. Robin Gosens know, know this um, kind of stuff. But um, who will the others react? Um, 
So coming to Bernabeu wow, and for being in front of this gigantic stadium, then going into it and, and being confronted with all the um, massive history of Real Madrid. It's interesting how they're dealing with it. It will be interesting. But then they're used to going to Hertha's Olympia Stadium, which has all the same <laughs> effect. <laughs> And they they'll even play there, so uh, they'll be they'll be well equipped. I, I, I mentally, think that's, that's I'm sure. pretty unfair comparison between um, uh, Bernabeu, what really is one of the iconic stadiums in in world football, and this um, unpleasant bowl that is called the Olympia Stadium. So, yeah, but let's see. One game we haven't discussed yet. Uh, perhaps the game of the season uh, so far in terms of entertainment and quality was, of course, Friday's Bayern v. Bayer affair. A 2-2 draw where Leverkusen got... Did they get lucky? Did they just get what they deserved? It's up for discussion, but I think we can both agree, Christoph, that it was, was just a fantastic spectacle. And we used that sparingly that expression but a real advert for for the league uh, it was fantastic wasn't it yeah it was um uh especially because um uh at the beginning it looked like oh no this again we have this um uh, this uh, uh, contender for for Bayern, some some somebody who's got, uh, comes with a lot of praise uh, to the Allianz Arena, and is completely eaten up, um, destroyed, and so on. Because in the first fifteen minutes or so, uh, Bayern was fantastic. Um, Bayern had to uh, looked overwhelmed, and uh, but then. Uh, After this uh, shock at the beginning, uh, everybody could see what a fantastic team uh, Bayer Leverkusen is. And also what a fantastic coach Xabi Alonso is, because you could see um, Bayer has not just great players. And um, Florian Wirtz had an had a, uh, overall fantastic performance, but also how well organized on the pitch they are. Their positional play is very good. Their movement is very good. A lot of combination football. Uh, really fun to watch with Boniface, um, a center forward, um, who is a real threat to uh, any defense, although he missed a lot of chances, too many chances, um, I would say. Um, so, yeah, we have to... They, they really look good and they really look like a, like a team um, that, that could be a titled contender uh, uh, seriously this season. But, Rafael, um, when we take the Bayern perspective... I think they were also complaining about a soft penalty uh, that gave Leverkusen the late um, uh, equalizer. But but apart from from that, how um, disappointed or how satisfied uh, were you with the uh, performance of Bayern? I was quite happy with uh, Bayern's performance. I thought they they played really well. Still a little bit too open, I think, for Tuchel's liking. But you have to give Leverkusen credit. 
Uh, it was the kind of game that that showed both the quality and the weakness of the existing Bayern midfield. They have a lot of firepower when Goretzka goes forward, as he did for that second goal. He's very, very effective. Uh, remember, uh, Christoph, I think five, six years ago, I said that Goretzka could be the new Michael Ballack. And you were like, no, no, he's a completely different player. I think that's what he does best, the Balak stuff. Um, getting into the box, being dynamic, scoring goals, good on uh, with headers as well. But of course, defensively, they were sometimes outplayed. Florian Wirtz found a lot of space, had a lot of time to control things, to play the final ball. And Bayern were a little bit lucky to be leading so late in the game and then unlucky to concede that that late goal. So I guess in the end, the the, the really right result for for this uh, wonderful tussle and a real encouragement for Leverkusen to come back and to get that draw and to defend at least momentarily the position in the in the table, which is, of course, number one. Um Uh, there has been some discussions about, um, uh, I mean, this is a, goes on for quite a while about Kimmy's role. He was, he was slightly injured, couldn't play for the German national team against France, but he, 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 he came on, um, against Bayer Leverkusen, was taking off after 60 minutes, um, something that Tuchel had kind of announced uh, before the game in interviews but obviously not to, to to Kimmich because he looked he looked very surprised and and then when uh, Goretzka scored the two uh, Kimmich was running onto the pitch in a kind of a demonstration I don't know for what for Leon Goretzka probably because they are close because they are friends um, but As everything with Bayern is political, was there a political element to this uh, celebration? And how do you read the situation about uh, Kimmich? Yeah, it's a, stra it's a strange situation because Kimmich has been needlessly questioned both by Tuchel and, and the wider public. Uh, they started towards the end of last season, continued now uh, with the Germany team and uh, getting off after 60 minutes, even though Tuchel said it was a precaution and was already communicated well in advance. It didn't quite look to that uh, to Kimmich because he had just taken over the armband only to move it on after just uh, a few seconds. So he seemed a little bit surprised. We, we don't know uh, who's telling the truth here. I think it's, it's a crazy debate in many ways because Kimmich might not be the most natural defensive midfielder, but He does everything and he does everything well. I mean, okay, you can say Tuchel says uh, maybe he should be doing less, but then you need somebody to help him and Bayern don't have that player. So he is, he is two players in one. But if that's the biggest problem or the biggest criticism that, you know, a guy is able to do too much, then I think that's a good place to be both in the national team and, and for Bayern. And I'm sure we're going to see a strong performance from him on Wednesday night in the Champions League. A lot of our um, uh, English listeners uh, will wonder, eh, and how did Harry Kane do? He scored a goal again. and uh, Should have scored another one. Should have scored another one. Um, how, 
fantastic save from Radetzky, who we should mention, who was outstanding uh, for Leverkusen throughout, throughout this game. Saved not just that Kane one, but also this shot from Leroy Sané, which was certainly going in. He he was one of the reasons why Leverkusen came away with that yeah. draw. And um, uh, Kane, I mean, he, he looks like as if he has been there for... For quite a while. I mean, he doesn't look like the new guy who is trying to to find his role. I think a lot of it already comes natural or looks like it. I'd agree with that. Even in a green shirt, he looks like he's been a Bayern player for <laughs> for many years, which takes some doing. Bayern playing in their special Oktoberfest outfit. Um, if you're that way inclined, it can be found, of course, on all their channels. But no, Kane. But, but, sorry, uh, uh, Kane is one. Kane is Kane is is such a class act that it hasn't taken him much time to to gel. I mean, still not the perfect combination, I think, between him and the team. But you know, four goals and four doesn't leave a lot to be desired. And the longer the season goes on, I think the better he and Bayern will get. Yeah, but, uh, Kane fascinates me because I think um, what you what you see here coming to this new environment, to this new league and so, so on, um, very often is, is, is a problem for, for players, even, even for good players. And I think that he um, is adjusting so quickly shows um, what, what I like to uh, uh, call football intelligence. So he deeply understands what's going on on the, on the pitch and, and, uh, so he reads situations well. He he finds his ways, and I mean this can't be uh, a perfect choreography um, uh, after four weeks or so. And and he's also been away to the English national team. So um, so I I must say I'm 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 pretty impressed. And um, he he and and also his. Um, I mean, he's a superstar, uh, no doubt about it, but um, he is not uh, giving the superstar. He is like um, he is like your ordinary uh, uh, player and um, part of the team. End of the story. Very fascinating. But but we but we, um, before we um, uh, sum up the rest of the league. This shirts. I mean, well, what's the story? I mean, it, it looked they look terrible. I mean, you say they were green, and I think that is a very friendly description for this uh, light green, like mushy piece, or or worse. Um, so, what's the story behind it? Yeah, I mean, it is their their Oktoberfest uh, special outfit for this year. You remember a few years ago they had this mock-up. Ah, yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Trachten outfit, um, uh, like little jackets made to look like the tweed jackets that you wear at Oktoberfest. But uh, I mean, the only or the best way I can describe it, Christoph, is that um, it looks like the sort of thing you see. After people drink a lot of beer <laughs> uh, in the surrounding areas uh, of Oktoberfest, including on the so-called so Kotzhügel <laughs> behind the Bavaria. 
so that um, is the vomit hill the the hill of vomit yes <laughs> or the the mountain of vomit yeah <laughs> look um i think it's probably not aimed at us um <laughs> as the target audience and i'm sure some people will will go and rush and and buy that special edition But there is really one game that we have to discuss before we round up here. And that is, of course, Heidenheim's glorious, glorious four-to-win over Werder Bremen. We know that Werder Bremen are a bit iffy, that they're a bit shaky, that their defense is, is really one of the poorer ones in the Bundesliga. But still, Heidenheim scoring four goals and playing really good football. I mean, come on. What's going on? That's what, 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 what I was guessing. Um, uh, I think they could could be a kind of new Union Berlin. So they, they playing the role that uh, Union was playing in the uh, in the first uh, Bundesliga season. So being very well organized, um, and Heidenheim is very well organized. Uh, Frank Schmidt is a good coach. Also, when it comes to in-game coaching, we saw that with. Um, um, when they turned around the game uh, in Dortmund with their 2-2, um, uh, the last match day, and uh, they have some good uh, some good players. Um, Tim Kleindienst, for example, they have a, a scorer. Uh, um, uh, they have a center forward, and this is a typical sort of uh, center forwards uh, that you can see, I, I guess, in many countries that. Always look too bad for the uh, top league, and are, are are great in the in the second division, and and sometimes it uh, it works uh, further on in the in the um, uh, top division. Tim Kleindienst already in his past was in in Freiburg and kind of did not make it there, but I think he is very helpful. Uh, Jan Niklas Beste, I think he is just a very good player. So. So um, Frank Schmidt has some good players in his team, but their strength is organization, their strength is um, uh, dedication, and so on. And uh, and I think for for them it's it's very very good that they now get results. Um, this two two in Dortmund I think helped them enormously. And again this four two um, against uh, Werder Bremen. It's interesting to look at the uh, run of goals because they were two nil up and they were giving away. Uh, their lead it was two two and and then uh, they again managed to uh, go in front so um, yeah a historic result uh, the newest team in the Bundesliga and their first ever uh, season in the Bundesliga with their first ever win congratulations to Heidenheim and I I think um, there will be uh, some teams who will drive home from the from Heidenheim, uh, from the Schwäbische Alb. Is that Schwäbische Alb? I don't know. Um, um, so there will be some teams um, who, who go back from this Swabian backwater uh, with the defeat. Maybe we should should also so mention, um, and, um, <laughs> and that's maybe also a, um, a, a learning Fußball-Deutsch. So we have a lot today. Ausgerechnet, ähm, 
ausgerechnet Ehren Dingchi und Jan Niklas Beste scored vor ähm, Heidenheim. Äh, Beste äh, played some years at, at Bremen und äh, Ehren Dingchi ist on loan from, from Bremen. Um, I think he and uh, Coach Oliverna didn't, uh, so their collaboration was not as smoothly as we would, would like to see it normally. Um, but uh, this concept of ausgerechnet, uh, Raphael, has a uh, historic resonance going back to uh, the 19, uh, World Cup in 1970, I think, when Karl-Heinz Schnellinger scored a goal. Um, against Italy and the um, TV commentator said ausgerechnet Schnellinger because he was playing in Italy. So what's the, the concept of ausgerechnet? Literally, you would say Erin Dingshi of all people scoring again. But uh, it can it can apply also to to clubs, to referees. It can apply to any sort of surprising and yet at the same time non-surprising event. Uh, before we go to our last game of the day, just a quick word for Leipzig. Uh, regulation 3-0 win over Augsburg, confirming their good form, confirming the sense that uh, this transition that's ongoing there is, is very much on track or perhaps even ahead of schedule. Uh, uh, Luis Openda again, on the score sheet, along with uh, Savi Simmons, who's uh, really having a big impact for them. Excellent preparation for their trip to the Wankdorf Stadium, where they will meet young boys. Okay, before we, before we leave, um, uh, we have one last game to mention. A big birthday party in Cologne because it was celebration of 100 years of Müngersdorfer Stadion because um, uh, Cologne is playing there um, since 1923, although this is wrong because um, Cologne uh, was founded uh, only in 1948 uh, when uh, some smaller clubs in, in Cologne merged. Uh, the Müngersdorfer uh, Stadium as it is today is uh, the third version of it because um, after it was built um, in 1923, it was newly built um, in the uh, uh, late 70s and, and then again, I think, around 20 years ago. Um, so... Uh, A huge choreography, everybody happy about the birthday, but uh, quite frustrated because uh, Cologne lo lost 1-3 um, against Hoffenheim, who also in the, uh, in the upper part of, of the table right now. And uh, Hoffenheim scoring a fantastic goal from, I don't know, 52 meters, 55 meters out of their own half um, because... Um, Uh, goalkeeper Schwebe had to come out to uh, block a, uh, a counter-attack uh, successfully, but then the ball bounced to Grillich and, and he, he scored um, this uh, fantastic goal. So a bit of frustration um, uh, for Cologne. And um, yeah, um, a surprisingly or unsurprisingly good start for Hoffenheim. Yeah, and I would say ausgerechnet Köln are looking for a reason to celebrate when there really isn't one. 
That's so unusual <laughs> for this city. <laughs> Explain, Christoph. You've lived there long enough. Yeah, because um, uh, um, uh, the, the um, Cologne has a, a huge party season, and that is a carnival. But also, apart from the Cologne carnival, um, I, I, I think it's probably uh, the city in Germany that is uh, celebrating the most. And mostly, uh, Cologne is celebrating Cologne or everything that is Cologne-ish or, or, or so. so. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. Um, people in Cologne are, are very happy to be people in Cologne because Cologne is so, so fantastic and it has a dome and it has a carnival and it has a Rhine and has, it has also has a lot of very ugly houses, but, um, Uh, <laughs> but everybody in Cologne would, would say, as um, uh, the, the stadium announcer at the Müngersdorfer Stadion always says, Willkommen in der schönsten Stadt Deutschlands. Welcome to the most beautiful city in Germany. And... Uh, Yeah, and that is and they on. and they believe that and they believe that yes, uh, yeah, de uh, right. they, deeply. I mean, they, <laughs> there is not belief; that is knowledge. <laughs> yeah, conviction, <laughs> conviction. <laughs> Time for we've been here uh, for quite a while, looking back at uh, all the wonderful happenings in uh, the Bundesliga on match day four. We'll be back for our supporters with a special edition on the Bundesliga team's Champions League games on Thursday. A look back at uh, Union Berlin's trip to Real Madrid, among other things. Until such time, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. Thank you.